Welcome everyone to the Dynamo Abroad podcast. I am your host, Alex Lischik, and with us today, coming from the United Kingdom, is uh, Dima. How's it going, Dima? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, looking forward to another good podcast. How are you guys? I'm not too bad. And uh, with us from the mighty state of New York is Eric. How's it going, Eric? Doing good. Massive week for Denama this week. Um, looking forward to another great podcast. It is going to be a great podcast because we have a very special guest on today. We have Mr. Andrew Flint. Uh, how's it going, Andrew? Uh, it's, a, it's an honor. Thank you for inviting me on, guys. Um, I'm looking forward very, very much to hearing what I imagine will be contrasting opinions on certain Dynamo Kiev people. So it should be fun. Uh, it, uh, it definitely will be fun. Um, bef- before we get into the podcast, um, Andrew, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, like maybe like what, uh, what type of articles you do and uh, stuff like that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I live in Russia, in Western Siberia, and the capital of the village is itself, Tumen. Um, we, well, I've, I've been here for 11 years. I write for Russian Premier League football grad and Russian football news. And it's, it's a very different type of football to what I was used to before. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Tumen, I guess we mentioned before the pod, is famous for a few people. Victor Leonenka is, is the one. And I remember Leonenka from Championship Manager 97-98, where he always scored goals for me. Uh, and then I found out he was from Tumen, the city I now live in. So that's where I am. That's what I do. And, uh, yeah. That's, that's where we are right now, 11 years. Um, so, before, like I said, before we get into the list, I just want to ask you a quick opinion. What do you think about Luchescu? I mean, it's a very <laughs> interesting move going from Shakhtar. Then he's at, you know, leaves, goes to Zenit, manages Turkey, and then out of nowhere rocks up at Denavo. So, uh, what were your thoughts when you first heard that news? I, you know what, I thought this is going to be fireworks. I couldn't believe it when I saw that happen. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, stating the obvious, he is, well, he is a, a legend in Ukrainian football for his time at, at Shakhtar and the, the work that he put in there. Um, but after that, when I saw him in Russia for a year at Zenit St. Petersburg, he was, he looked like he'd lost the plot, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, his reputation, of course, speaks for itself. But, you know, he started off in similar fashion uh, in St. Petersburg. He won the Super Cup um, in his first game in charge. And then he drew the next two games, goalless draws against Lokomotiv Moscow and Ufa. Ufa are not a good side, to put it lightly. And already after the first game, he started whinging and complaining about referees being against him and he was acting as if the world was against him and he'd only just joined the club. Um, so we knew that was only going to go in one direction. And then when I saw the... I honestly thought it was a joke. I honestly thought it was some sort of a wind-up going to Dynamo of all clubs in the entire world. Why? Why would the Shakhtar legend go to Dynamo? Um, I mean, if I remember rightly, it was a bit of a chaotic start where there was talk of... Dynamo fans wanting him gone before he'd even joined and and eventually stayed. And now, of course, we've seen what a season he's had. But I just thought this this cannot end well. But so far, it seems to be going pretty well. 
Yeah, it's uh, one thing that when Luchescu signed on for Dynamo, it confirmed to me it is never, ever, ever going to be boring following. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, uh, what I like about it, it keeps us always on our toes. Um, now, we're just going to go over uh, some latest news real quick. Um, excuse me. Uh, so, Dynamo Kiev uh, are playing Dynamo Bukaresti in a friendly on the 27th of March. Uh I believe Luchescu had some influence of that. He wants closer relations with the uh, Romanian club. Uh, Benjamin Berbic is due back, I believe, by the end of April from his injury. So we hope uh, a quick return to fitness. And uh, Dima, I want to just go to you real quick. Uh, interesting news uh, out of the capital, out of Kiev. And uh, I'll let you explain further what's going on with Shakhtar and the Olympiski. Okay, so as we know, um, Shakhtar have been based, have been playing at the Olympiski since the resumption of the football uh, after the, the first lockdown in Ukraine when football returns. Since then, they've been at the um, at the Olympiski. And, you know, it started off with them kind of, you know, changing the, the colour of the nets and the goals to um, orange and black. Uh, they put, you know, orange and black seat covers and on the seats, you know. Um, in their league games and now um, news has come out that so for some context that Olympiski going around the stadium are different pictures of different players of Dynamo from the 1970s you know the legendary 70s Dynamo players um, and now Shaftar they would like those pictures gone actually um, and as a bonus condition, they would like a third changing room in the Olympiski um, with their colours. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I don't know. What can I say? Because what can I say that's positive about this? Um, you know, all I'm going to say is they may want that, but I want them gone as soon as possible and that's all I can say because this is just ridiculous I mean they were initially done a favour by you know playing the least uh, in the less contaminated region um, and now they make the deal permanent and now they're just you know pushing and pushing and pushing their luck um, and you know Andrew mentioned the Dynamo fans, the ultras in particular, being unhappy with Luchescu. Well, I'd quite like to see um, what they have to say about this because honestly, I haven't heard a peep about them, about Shaftar and Kiev. But um, yeah, that's that's all there is uh, from me. Um, actually, one more thing to add. So about the Dynamo Bucharesti uh, friendly, um, I also heard that it's quite likely that we might start seeing players loaned in between the clubs, which, you know, I believe for our side, you know, getting their players in, I'm not sure because I, I don't know what the level of their league is. I don't know what the quality of their player, um, their average player is. Um, but for our players, I believe, you know, I believe it's good for them to get experience, not in the under-21 league, um, not in the Persian League or even lower than that, but at least a top tier uh, division. But yeah, enough from me. Uh, Eric, uh, I can imagine you were extremely uh, pleased to hear the news that Shakhtar uh, wanted to make these kinds of adjustments uh, to the Olympiski, am I right? 
Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not going to repeat what Dima just said. It's pretty much the same sentiments for me. I mean, I know people make the argument about the fact that it's not technically Dinamo Stadium. It's, you know, a public stadium and all that. But, I mean, still, you're not from Kiev. I mean, you don't belong here. I, I, I've i mentioned this in the past. You know, I, I don't care if it's a rivalry or something like that. You know, being displaced due to a war, you know, I, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Um, however... You know, as we've talked about, went to Kharkiv, didn't work. Went to Lviv, didn't work. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other cities that you can try out before you come into the club capital of your biggest rival. Um, and now, you know, I mean, you should be thankful that you're allowed to come into this and be playing games in here and you haven't been chased out yet. But now you want to start changing the stadium to have – to remove Dinamo legends that were on there, a club that was winning titles while you were messing around in the Soviet first league underneath the top league, doing absolutely nothing besides maybe winning a, a handful of Soviet cups. <clears throat> and you want to get your colors up around it. No, this is not your home. This is a temporary place where you are being allowed to play until things get figured out, which is for me, even already a step too far, but whatever, you know, whatever. I'm not a fan of it. At the end of the day, I can somewhat make my peace with them playing there, but now them wanting to change this into like, it's their home now. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You don't belong here. It's not your city. You're not decorating and you're not putting up your colors. You know, I mean, Frankly, I don't care where you go outside of um, Kiev. I know we've joked about this in the chat, and I'm not going to repeat some of the options that we talked about, but I know one of them was I told Alex that they could play um, on Saturn, and Alex asked me where Saturn was, and I was like, oh, it's straight past Jupiter. You can't miss it. Um, but um, no, in all seriousness, no, absolutely not. Ridiculous. Find somewhere else to play if you want to do that. In my defense, Eric, when you said Saturn, I had assumed you meant the Saturn Ramenskoye Stadium, where a couple ex-Ukrainian national team players used to it's, play. It's perfectly so, fine because I honestly highly rate my response to that, so it was the perfect setup. So no, no, no problem. Uh, Dima, you wanted to uh, you want to ask uh, Andrew a question, right? Yeah. So. Just one question for Andrew. So I know you've been following Luchesko. I know you think he's kind of, you know, one of the symbols of Eastern European football. And, you know, the fact is, I think he's one of, if, and I'm, I may be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure he's the oldest manager in the world um, as a professional club. So I've just got one question, you know, how long do you reckon Luchescu realistically has it left in him? Because, you know, I've heard mm. that he actually personally runs the training sessions himself. So, you know, maybe he's, you know, he's got a lot more left in him. But what do you think? It's a very interesting question, actually, because I think the point you make about him being very hands-on, wanting to have complete control, I think that really is the more important factor rather than his actual age. As long as he's allowed to conduct his side of things in the way that he sees fit. I don't really see there being a problem with him carrying on for another few years. Um, I mean, the oldest manager I can remember ever 
probably was Sir Bobby Robson. I think he was managing up until 78, 79 years old. Yuri Sjomin in Russia, um, he was managing up until last year and he was, I think, 76, I think. So I don't think there's a time limit per se, probably not another 16-year or 14-year um, epic reign, but I don't see any reason why not. If, if, he, if he manages to, um, to, to win the title this season, that's going to be a boost. Um, and I, you'd imagine he'll be basically given the keys to the city and hopefully able to carry on his work. So I think probably um, a good few years, yeah. Um, and Eric, I think you also had a question for Andrew. Yeah, so this was kind of something I had actually thought of several years ago um, when he went to uh, Zenit. So obviously, you know, you talk about what he did at Shakhtar. I mean, he, he reminds me a little bit of a, a coach like uh, Wenger, who, you know, went to Arsenal and, I mean, just did, I mean, really transformed the club. Um, did fantastic work there. Um, you know, I saw a tweet where someone said that they thought that Arsenal was named after Arsene Wenger just because of all the work that he did there, which I thought was hilarious. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But, um, you know, you take a look at what he did at Shakhtar and what he did for the club, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, but, you know, he, the footprint that he left there is humongous. Um, you know, fast forward, we take a look at what he's doing at Dinamo right now. And a point that we've made in, in prior podcasts is, He's, he has made such a big impact on this club and has us outperforming ourselves from prior seasons where the club has remained, has remained virtually unchanged. So, I mean, the success really boils down to him. So my question is, you know, I remember when he made the move to Zenit and he went there to a club that's pretty much bankrolled by Gazprom. I mean, they have enormous amounts of funds. Um, yeah. You know, they recruit heavily from you know, it used to be that they would recruit heavily from St. Petersburg. Um, and now, you know, they're, they have a lot more South American players and things like that, almost kind of similar to what Shakhtar does in Brazil. What happened to him there? Why, why did you see him fail there? Because, I mean, with the amount of funds that they have, and, I mean, I would argue probably even more than Shakhtar, and we saw what he did there, what, what, like, what happened? Well... <laughs> It started very badly. Like I mentioned earlier, he he was he was complaining from the word go about the standard of refereeing, and he's right to complain about that. I would add, you know, the the standard of Russian officiating is is very very poor, um, and I think there's no question he can cope with a big stage. It's nothing to do with him, you know, having an attack of nerves. I mean, I'll make a comparison before him. Andre Villef Bosch in uh, St. Petersburg, a very, very talented manager, obviously. Um, but he really struggled under the pressure because he was criticized for the style of play. He, he won the title um, for Zenit, um, Villef Bosch did. Um, but you could tell he was uncomfortable with the pressure on him. And he's a, a, a far, far younger man, of course. So it wasn't about pressure. Um, it was, I think, he probably behind the scenes wasn't allowed as much control um, over the way that the team were preparing um, 
they are expected to do what the owners expect them to do. But you've got to remember in, in St. Petersburg football, it's a merry-go-round really of the Russian Football Union, the Russian Premier League, Gazprom and Zenit, the chief executives pretty much swap around. Um, so they they are the flag bearers basically. Um, and I don't, it wasn't about pressure. It was about, he said he's just started on the wrong note. He could have, he was, there was no pressure really um, at the very beginning. It didn't matter if he drew a couple of games at the beginning, but that just got under his skin. Um, and, and I think after such success at Shakhtar, he wasn't used to things not going his way straight away. Um, and once, you know, once, once you start off on that note, it's, it's a slippery slope down. Um, so it was, it was always going to be a case of them leaving in the end. Um, but not, like I say, through pressure. He, he caused a lot of his own problems, basically, by complaining so much. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, like I said, I just it's just interesting because with him coming to Dinamo now where he has access to a lot more or a lot less resources. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, we remember the reception that he got and still gets at every match with, you know, banners from the ultras saying Luchescu out and other expletives in there. And, you know, like you said, talk at the beginning of the season of him going back to Romania because he didn't, you know, there was talk about him not not knowing if he was going to be able to handle this or not. It was just interesting, you know, like I said, that he's succeeding. I mean, honestly, surpassing expectations that I had at Dinamo compared to, you know, a club where, I mean, he has a lot more resources available. But, th but that's an interesting point about, you know, control and, and what he's allowed to do and, and things like yeah. that. So that, that makes sense. It's uh, interesting to see, I guess, uh, we found uh, people who are, are um, I guess, it's crazy to find that, you know, Luchescu can work under the Denial Ultras, uh, couldn't work under the Gaspar people. Maybe we found someone that, uh, a group of people that the Denial Ultras are more reasonable than, didn't think that was possible, but uh, I guess, I guess we finally <laughs> found that group. Um, so we're just going to uh, do a quick little review of Denial's league game over the Mighty Minai, uh, the one of the biggest cities in Ukraine, obviously. Um, Dynamo won 3-0 uh, with goals from Depena, Sidorchuk, and Gerson Rodriguez. Um, Dima, uh, was it a straightforward 3-0 or did Dynamo struggle a little? No, we didn't struggle. Um, it, was based, it was a one-way thing, you know. I think they had two shots and they both went pretty much I mean, I, like, once again, I'm echoing, I think we said this last week, but I don't know which regions of Kiev those balls went for, for their only two shots. And when I say off target, I mean, I, I mean off target. Um, but look, about... So in the first half, to really start off uh, about 10 minutes in, so a cross comes in from Mikolinka, and it's one of those the typical Mikolinka lumped crosses, which go like 20 meters high, you know, no player in the world, you know, make like not even, you know, five Peter crouches standing on each other. They, they even they wouldn't get that. And it can it eventually comes down and it hits and, and the Minai player, I mean, he literally controls it with his arm to get it down on the floor and then to, you know, to try and, you know, clear it. 
And then the, all the Dinamo players, you know, they run over to the ref. Um, good, good old Monzo saying, you know, well, what's going on? What's this? She checks the VAR and she doesn't give it. And I was just, I was just amazed uh, that that wasn't given because it was just, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't even an accident. It was just, it was genuinely just pure stupidity by the Nunaia player. And I'm, I don't know how she managed to get away with that. Um, but for the rest of the first half, I mean, we had a couple of shots here and there. It wasn't a lot. Um, I think we could have, we probably should have scored a goal in the first half, but it was a pretty low tempo. And I was actually getting pretty annoyed there because it was just like, with we, we kept taking these short corners, right? And just with every pass, the ball was getting further and further and further away from the from the goal. Um, and I was like, well, what's going on? So do we, are we not intending to score here? And, you know, there's there's good options on the wing and then the midfielder passes back to the defence. And I'm like, well, what's going on? How do we expect to score like this? Um, and that was the first half. And then the second half, I believe... Um, so from the first minutes, it was still, it, it was it was an improvement, I guess, you know, Luchesco, it was like, it was basically like a third extra time against Callas that half, um, because it, the tempo was just so low, the team just wasn't in a hurry at all. And then about seven minutes, so 52nd minute, um, a cross comes in, no, so a cross comes in from the left, um, it's cleared, but then Kinjura gets on the end of it, passes it back to Sindarichuk, and finally, you know, Sidrashuk has like 20 shots and for every 20 shots that goes into the stands, one goes in and, you know, what a rocket it was from the captain. Um, uh, I think it was a near post goal, but, you know, it was, such a, it was such a good hit. I mean, I don't know what, you know, you can't really blame the goalkeeper too much, but yeah, it was a great hit and, you know, Sidrashuk, he needs to either shoot more like that or stop shooting completely so I don't have to see these shots into the stands but I definitely if you if can keep these good shots up like you know against Shakhtar against Iran because the guy doesn't score boring goals at all um, it's only ever bangers he, he can do um, but yeah great goal from him and you know we want to see more of that and literally two minutes later so I mean the Muno defence it was like Two of two of them were like really high up, and two of them were really low down. And I don't know what from I don't know what they were doing, but um, Bujalski he manages to spot um, Karavaya making a run, uh, and you know it was a really good pass by Bujalski. You know exactly where it was needed, and Karavaya he was one on one with the keeper, and I think oh my god, finally so he's had like sixty shots, something he's finally going to score. He is finally going to score his first goal for Dinamo. But the defender clips him um, outside the box. Well, I, I say clips, but really take, takes him down outside the box. Um, gets a red card. I mean, come on. There's no possible way you can argue that's not a red card. Um, you know, we get a free kick off... Um, you know, obviously we get a free kick. It wasn't outside the box. I... He decided to, you know, well, I don't, I'm not sure it was so much a decision, but the, but the defender clicked him right outside the box. Uh, initially, I thought it was a penalty, but anyway, and Depena, who's been on quite a goal drought, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember the last time he scored. Um, it's a really good free kick, and I'd, I'd like to, you know, special mention to Ilyaza Barney because I think had he not, he kind of, 
I'm not really sure what he did, but he either deflected it in or he ducked and the ball went in because he like he was in the wall and he kind of moved his head like really suddenly. And um, from then, you know, you know, he looked really pleased with himself. You know, all the players were congratulating him. You know, he was a really big part of that goal. And from then, you know, they're down to 10 men. Uh, we have a two goal lead. The game was, it was as good as done. Um, you know, after about 50, 55 minutes. Um, and then, you know, we make a couple of substitutions. So once again, two at once. Once again, it's Rodriguez and Shekel if that come on. Once again. Um, and from then on, um, I mean, it really was more of the same. I mean, we had a lot. We were starting to, you know, pile on, you know, more chances on their goal. But their keeper, you know, he, if he considered near post goal and a good free kick, then now he turned into, you know, you know, now that was a typical UPL keeper uh, performance against Dynamo. You know, start saving every shot. Um, and I think one time he saved the shot and then the rebound comes out. And it's, a, it's an open goal for Sheffield who came on as a substitute. And he just, I don't know what he did, but he didn't score. I don't know what he was doing, but that should have been 3-0. That should have really killed the game. Um, and then basically right in the 80, I want to say, 8th or ninth minute, um, so Shreveliv and once again, I mean, I'm making it sound like yeah, like some world class game, you know, in terms of attacking performance. Um, but he goes for the ball, and so does the United defender, and they both kind of stick their foot out. But he kind of clip like the, the United defender he clips Shreveliv on the foot. Also, the referee was judged. Uh, also, he was judged too by the referee, and the penalty is given. And you know, up step two players, Rodriguez and Bisedin. And it was going to be Rodriguez because he's something like the designated penalty taker when Sagankov is on the pitch or something like that. And he manages, so Bisedin actually somehow managed to leech off that penalty of Rodriguez. And I thought it was a decent enough shot, but I thought it was a good save. So he had the chance to make it 3 0, but it was saved by the keeper. But then for even more drama, um, the penalty, so the referee, the referee, the goalkeeper was judged to be off his line and it had to be retaken. And this time, Rodriguez, he said, no, nah, he said, you're not taking this. And he takes it and he converts and that was 3-0. But yeah, like I said, you know, it's a one-way, it's like, it was like a one-way road going to uh, a nice goal. I mean, three goals probably should have been more. Um I thought it was in the second half, it was a good performance. First half, not so much, but it was two good goals. Uh, I want to, you know, finally, you know, we had two shots outside the box go in, and that's probably, you know, I don't even remember the last time we saw that. Um, but yeah, um, you know, it was good to see some someone like Doyle get more minutes. Uh, Sid Clay got, um, uh, Sid Clay got subbed on. Uh, I believe, did Lidnyev play? No, uh, I don't think he did. Andreevsky Andreevsky came on as a substitute. Um, you know, he he produced a few good long balls. So, I, you know, we'll see. But yeah, it was a good performance overall. Three points, three goal win. It ups our goal. Um, you know, our goal difference uh, in the league. Uh, I don't know what. Oh, and one last thing, Milevsky. You know, that, this was the return of Milevsky. We were saying this so much uh, last week, and I forgot to go over. And it, I'll. 
you know, he's not a Dynamo player anymore, but it wasn't really a vintage Milivsky performance from him, you know, like from the early 2010s or late 2000s. But he made a good backheel pass and he got a yellow card and he probably should have got a second yellow. But he... Welcome, welcome back to Kiev, Mila. That's, that's all I've got to say. But yeah, that's enough for me. Uh, Eric, do you have anything to add on uh, Dima's uh, recap of the Minai game? Oh, man, I stood up and clapped when Milia got subbed off. What a legend. Um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he was never a player that had a ton of pace um, or acceleration. You know, he traditionally played um, almost kind of like, I mean, we saw him as like a deep line forward in this match, um, sometimes as like a target man, just because he's pretty tall. I think it's like 193. Yeah, Dima. I just wanted to say one thing. He was the only Minaya player that wasn't sat back in his heart for his entire game. That, that's it. I, I, yeah, I was going to go over that. But yeah, um, but I mean, you can tell his legs are gone. I mean, they're, they're absolutely gone. Um, but, um, you know, he, he doesn't really have a ton left in the tank, but it was still special. Again, I know I've talked about this in the past, my thoughts on him, you know, in his early Dinama days and how much joy I got from watching him play. Um, so it was cool to see him again. But, um, you know, without going over anything that Dima brought up, you know, I thought that this was one of the absolute worst oppositions that I have seen us play. I mean, they did absolutely nothing. I know Dima mentioned that they had like two shots. Neither of them were on target. I remember one towards the end of the game that we joke about where Sigler Chuk's shots go. This one was 10 times worse. I mean... If we were playing at the Lobanovsky Stadium, it would have physically gone out of the stadium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. I mean, it was. You talk, Absolutely. Saying that it was wayward is an understatement. I mean, it was. It was. Yeah. I mean, and and like I said, the point that Dima just made. I mean, pretty much hits it right on the nose. I mean, we've seen teams sit back against us, park the bus. I mean, I take a look at a, a match against uh, Lviv, who are currently. I don't know if they still are, but they were bottom of the table and not a good side still managed to look dangerous for about 20 minutes against us and even scored against us. I honestly would have been fine to put a broom in goal and would have known that we would have been perfectly fine and it would not have been challenged. I mean, they did absolutely nothing to trouble us, not once during the match. Um, but, um, you know, a couple of things that stood out to me is I thought, you know, I didn't think kind of I looked amazing, but I thought he looked better as a right winger compared to a wing back. I thought he looked more dangerous. Um, his crossing was halfway decent. Um, you know, I think that when he has to balance that with defensive uh, responsibilities, you know, Luchescu maybe sees putting him on like in theory, putting him on as like an attacking wing back, but it just doesn't really work that way, unfortunately. He's just not good at the back. But I thought that playing him on the wing, he did look a little bit better. Um, I thought, um, let me see here. I mean, we really could have won this match by like 5-0. I mean, not taking away from the win, it was a good performance. But we definitely could have won by more. Um, I thought uh, the Sidorchuk goal was fantastic. One thing that really stood out to me on that one is the way that it started was I forget who the player was in the box that kind of played a through ball to uh, Shaparenko, but it was overplayed and it looked like it was going to go out. And the defender was trying to marshal Shaparenko out of play to prevent it, uh, prevent him from getting to it and for it to be a goal kick. But I mean, credit to Shaparenko. I mean, he flew right past this player and then basically kicked the ball back into play to the who then crossed it 
overcrossed it to Kenziora, uh, plays it back to Sidorchuk, and then scores. So, I mean, hats off to Shaparenko. We've talked about his work rate, but not giving up on that play is really what led to that goal, and that was really impressive. And then he celebrated like he scored, and it's just great to see that and something like uh, Depena's goal, the way that he was like smiling and like hugging Zabarini, like he like whether it was his goal, whether it went off Zabarini's head, like he didn't care. All he cares about is that Dinamo scored, and and now we're two goals to the good. Um, so little things like that, just from a team cohesiveness standpoint, I thought was awesome. I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then you know we talked about the subs that came on. It was nice to see Duolun, um get some minutes. Um, you know, the, the play from uh, Shepelev that Dima talked about, I actually thought, you know, Depena received the ball. There were two defenders that got back, and one of them went to close down uh, Depena. I thought that he should have played it back to Shepelev because he was arriving into the box and was virtually unmarked. But he probably thought, uh, Shepelev, it's probably better to be marked with me shooting than Shepelev unmarked taking a shot, and I probably have a better chance um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, keeper forced to save. And then Shepelev, I mean, it was like, he didn't swing and miss, but he like barely hit the ball and it just kind of like dribbled to the keeper. And I was like, now it makes sense why you didn't pass it to him. So never mind. Um, but, um, yeah, so that, that was a little embarrassing. Um, I saw, uh, Andrievsky actually had a pretty decent volleyed effort from, I think it was either just inside the box or on the edge of the area that forced a pretty good save from the keeper, which um, was a nice shot. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, overall it was a complete performance from us, frankly, a match that we should have won by several goals. And, um, and yeah, I mean, they never looked like they were going to trouble us. They, I mean, I, I was never concerned for a second against them. So Good three points. Um, you know, these are the type of games that we need to be winning to be, uh, you know, continuing our challenge for the title. Uh, so, Dinamo, take care of business. Three one. Uh, no, three one. Jeez, giving me too much credit there. Three nil. Uh, we'll just do real quick some player ratings. Uh, we'll start with Bushan. And yes, Dinamo did have a goalkeeper in goal. I know it may not have seemed like it throughout the day. Uh, I don't even know what to rate the goalkeeper. Did he even have to take a goal kick? Forget about saving a shot. I don't even know if he had to take a goal kick. Maybe a five. He had to like roll the ball out. Like he just kind of short kicked it. But I mean, what can you say? Let's go. Let's go six because. I mean, hundred percent pass completion. Something uh, like but that. Outside something of that, like I mean, that. Uh, so we'll go with the six. Um, Dima, a ready for Kelzora, the right back. Um. I thought it was a good performance from him. I thought he was active down the right wing. I thought, you know, his crossing was good. And, you know, he's, he's the one defender that doesn't just lump the ball, you know, with his foot, you know, into the box and just hope for the best. Like, you know, like, you know, the 20-meter high crosses, like, like I said already. But he actually thinks about it, you know, watches not not necessarily watches but he kind of assesses the options and he usually more often than not he makes the right one he did well to you know let back to see who you know it was the right decision in the end wasn't it but um <sighs> did he have to defend against anything like at all i i, I, I don't i don't think so i don't it, remember it, a single run down the left wing from the night 
at all. I don't. I barely remember Midnight getting into our half, let alone making a runs down the wing. Yeah. Okay. So defensive, what kind of marking for? Um, good down the right. Uh, he assisted. I'll give Kim Joro seven and a half. I think that's fair. Hmm. Uh, Eric, I'll let you read Zabarni and Sorata together because I don't think they really had much to do. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll give them a seven. I mean, I thought both of them. I mean, Sorata continues to impress me. Um, you know, he's really developing, starting to develop into a fine young defender. Um, I thought that uh, Zabarni was, was, I mean, really neither of them had that much to do. But, you know, I did think that... Um, they did their job, clean sheet. Um, you know, Zavadini obviously contributed towards that free kick goal, whether it was, you know, diving out of the way and, and letting the ball pass or taking a slight deflection off of him. I don't know which it was, but either way helped. Um, really, the only critique that I can have for them was uh, there was a set piece from uh, Depeana that Zavadini got a free header onto but put it over the bar, and I would have liked to have seen him done a little bit better with that. Um, but outside of that, no, seven solid performance from both of them. Uh, on to Mikolenko, same thing as Kionzora. I mean, Midnight offered no threat going forward. I mean, I don't even know how to really rate him on the defensive. So I'll just go a standard six because at least uh, six and a half because at least Kionzora got the assist. Uh, Dima, you're rating for Captain Fantastic Serhii Sidorchuk. Uh, yeah, it was a great performance, and um, you know that's not even just just because of the goal. Because you know, I think I think you know he. I'm not saying he had a lot of defensive work to do, but he was winning the ball off them. He was making good interceptions, and it's not like let's be honest, it's midnight. They wouldn't have done anything with the ball anyway. But still, that started our own attacks. Um, I would give Sindarchuk. I think eight. Eight and a half. I think eight and a half, to be honest. I think he was my man of the match. Uh, Eric, you're rating for Bujalski? Um, Yeah, I mean, he had another, I think he had another header um, that went over the bar in the, uh, I think it was in the first half that I would have liked to see him get on target. But again, we've talked in the past that he's probably not the player that we want to see getting on the end of those crosses. Um, but, um, you know, he... Solid performance from him, as to be expected against a team of me nice caliber. Um, so I, I'd probably give him a seven. Uh, on to Shaparenko. Overall, okay. I mean, w- wasn't vintage Mikola Shaparenko. Maybe a standard six and a half. Thought it was all right. Nothing, you know, too uh, too impressive. Uh, who's next? Uh, Karavayev. Uh, so, Dima, can you give me your... Rating for Karavayev. Yeah, I think it was a good performance from him. Uh, he, he, you know, he earned the the red card and the free kick. But other than that, I mean, I thought he was, I thought he he was having a good game. Honestly, you know, uh, I don't think he had any like real scoring chance, but I thought his passing was better. I thought his crossing was better. Um, and you know, maybe he's not such a bad option, you know, at least for the bench. Um, uh, as for the rating, I think, I think seven, seven and a half, so same as Kinjora for me. It's amazing what happens when you play him in his actual position of right wing, um, instead of his preferred position, uh, instead of Luchescu's preferred position of left back. Uh, next is Depena. So, uh, Eric, you're rating for Depena. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably give him. A, I mean, I'd probably give him a seven and a half or an eight. Um, I thought that he was very lively down the wing. I thought his crossing. Um, I mean, a few of them were wayward, but I also thought some were pretty decent. I thought his set piece delivery was great. You know, scored a goal off one, and another one probably could have had a goal if Zabarani would have gotten his header on target. Um, but um, yeah, I, th I thought he looked really good this match. It was, was good to see him um, playing like that again. Uh, and next would be Bessiadin and Emilis. It's a Dinamo striker. If he's not getting easy tap-ins, he's not getting any chances. Um, stock standard six, I mean, Dinamo strikers don't get chances, so not really there's going to be much to score on. Uh, onto the substitutes, I would say Seed Clay and Andreasi came on a little bit too late to be rated. So, uh, Dima, you're rating for Shepelyev. Mm, he was involved quite a bit. Uh, he should have listened. He should have scored. He should have scored. It was literally an open goal. Um, but other than that, he won the penalty. Active enough. Uh, seven, I think seven's fair. Six and a half, seven. Uh, Eric, you're rating for Gerson Rodriguez? Um, I mean, I know he scored the, the penalty that, um, that, that came back um, the, the first time that was ruled for the keeper coming off his line. I, I will say that um, the one play that we talked about where Shepardiev like swung and missed and uh, Debana put the shot on target was actually a really nice pass um, kind of across the box um, from Jefferson. Um, and I thought that that was really nice vision from him and, and a really unselfish play. Um, so I'll give him, um, yeah, I'll give him a seven. Uh, and on to the last substitute, Mikkel Duelund. Um, I'm going to give him a, a little bit of a higher rating just because of the fact that he actually played. So I'm going to go for a six and a half um, because Finally, 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 he actually got some minutes on the pitch. Uh, that is not a friendly. Um, so, the number three nil winners. And, um, Andrew, uh, real quick, I just want to see if you have any thoughts on the midnight game. Um, well, I mean, I, I, watched the, I watched the highlights, and I what you guys have said about them barely getting out of their half, they barely got out of their own penalty area. And I, I, I've, I've got to be honest. I think it was the, I think it was the first goal where the ball went right across the box, and you just—it was like watching ten-year-olds playing. I mean, they all eight or nine defenders just sort of swarmed towards the far side of the box. Nobody spotting or thinking perhaps the ball might be cut back. Um, and to Sidorchuk, who scored the a really, really nice finish, he had all the time in the world to pick his spot. Um, those sort of games, I have to be honest, you see a lot of those sort of games in the Russian Premier League, which I watch a lot, and they can be really, really potentially difficult games to get past simply because you've got so many bodies to get past. But I've got to be honest, um, much they do come from the great metropolis of Minai, um, I have to be honest, they, 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 didn't, they weren't a great advert for um, uh, opponents. But those games, okay, like you say, they... It could have been any number of goals that Dinamo could have scored, but um, I was I was actually quite quite impressed with the patience in the second half um, because you you've got to you, you've got to stick at it even at one 0 You never know the it could be a set piece, 
just one slip and if they get in they will be 11 men behind the ball so i was in, i was quite impressed in fairness um i was a, one thing you never i didn't realize was the striker playing for them which you guys have mentioned the legend himself mr milievsky um i fond memories of him turning up at fc tosno here in russia um and it was disappointing not to see him more on the ball but then again he was never going to see much of it as the lone striker so i'd say job done well done uh so I also want to ask you, Andrew, so they now have their Europa League game this Thursday, oh, not this Thursday, tomorrow, mm. actually, um, against Villarreal. Um, interesting opponent. You have your, you know, it's a contrast of leagues, you know, La Liga, top league. Uh, fortunately, the UPL is not as high as it. It's also an interesting managerial battle with Mr. Luchescu going against Mr. Europa League himself, Unai Emery. Um, so what, what, do you have any, uh, what are your thoughts before the game tomorrow against Villarreal? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a very, very tough, tough ask. Uh, I mean, like you say, Unai Emery's record speaks for itself. But the thing I think that makes it possibly even tougher is the fact that Villarreal themselves are on a pretty shaky run of form, which means Europa League is likely to be a focus for them. Um, I think they've only won three of their last 11 or 12 games in all competitions. And... Um, they, it's uh, the La Liga has five places in European football, and they are eight points off fifth place, which would get them into the group stages. So, you know, it, they've got to get ahead of Real Sociedad. Have had a great season in Spain. Um, I just don't see that happening, and I very much doubt that they will put all their eggs in that basket. So, Europa League is likely to be the focus for them. Um, I, I mean, it's. I, I, be, I don't want to be defeatist about it, but I would suggest that Luchesco is a practical man and he will know that the best chance of this tie is simply being safe in the first leg um, and play counter-attacking fast football in the away leg. It's pretty stereotypical, but that's what you've got to do. Um, avoiding an away goal will be key, I think, um, but it's a, it's a very, very tough ask. Villarreal, Villarreal do have a lot of attacking options, so... Um, I, it'd be interesting to see who actually is available. Um, Sigankov is, you guys were mentioning, is possibly going to be fit for the game. Do we know this for sure? So I've not heard anything, but I did hear that he was fit for the Minai game, but they specifically left him out so he could to get some right. extra rest before the game against Villarreal. Well, I, I think that's actually very interesting because if that really was specifically the reason he didn't play, then it suggests that Luchescu is hopefully going to go for it. Um, but I just, I hope that uh, it is with caution in mind, um, simply so that there is a platform to build on. Um, losing away goal and heads could drop. You don't want that to happen. Uh, definitely is going to be an interesting tie. And I've just realized that uh, Carlos Baca also plays for Villarreal. So just a, yeah. ton, a ton of Europa League experience. I mean, we've also Danny Parejo's in this team, Francis Coquelin's in this team. And I'm probably even missing out on a couple uh, Europa League level, like not even Europa League, but just good European level footballers in this team. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be an interesting game tomorrow. Um, Dima, did you want to add something? Yeah, uh, the legendary Franzol used to play for Villarreal. You know, the best Dinamo striker to ever walk the pitch. Yeah, one or you know, two goals. 
Yeah, who can forget his one or two goals in a year and a half uh, spell? Oh, yeah, Milan. and his legendary penalty miss against Minai. What a legend. Oh, yeah. Not, nothing says uh, this is a Dynamo-Kiev striker like missing a penalty in a literal village in a Ukrainian cup tie. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Eric, do you have anything to add uh, on the VRL game? No, I mean, I agree with what... Uh both Andrew and Dima have said, I think that, um, you know, talking about focus for Villarreal, I mean, I, I haven't, I checked like a week ago. I don't know if it's moved since, since then, but I know that they were in seventh in the league, um, in the Spanish league and in, uh, or in La Liga rather. And I know also in the Europa league, um, they have yet to, to use or to lose a Europa League match. Now, they didn't really have the toughest of groups with uh, Sivaspor, Karabag, and uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, and they recently just dispatched uh, FC Salzburg, which, um, you know, in the most recent leg, Salzburg did ask a lot of questions of them and did give them a, a pretty tough match um, for the majority of it. Um, so not like they're unbeatable. Um, but, you know, we talk about the quality of players that they have, you know, Parejo, Kokolan, um, Baca, uh, you know, they've got um, uh, the, the guy that went to Barcelona and and then came back. Uh, Alcasta um, is there as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be a very, a very tough match. And, it, you know, talking about contrasting uh, managers, it's kind of, in my opinion, too, you know, contrasting goals. You know, I think for Dinama, the goal is more so the league, not that they're just going to throw away a Europa League match, but I think that that's definitely more of the focus for Luchescu is to bring the Ukrainian Premier League title back to, um, back to Dinamo, whereas, as Andrew mentioned with, uh, you know, Villarreal, I mean, I don't see them winning the league, so the Europa League makes sense to, you know, pull a little bit more uh, resources um, and importance into yeah, and, and we're going to go on to our preferred lineups in a minute. I'm just having a look real quick at a Villarreal team. This is a very experienced side. I mean, especially I'm looking at, you know, Etienne Capu is another one you could add into this team. Uh, Alberto Moreno. Uh, who else we got? We have Raul Albiol as a center back in this team. Uh, Juan Foyth is on loan from Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Ramiro Funes Mori, the ex-Everton defender. And you get the highly rated Pau Torres. So going to be an interesting challenge. Um Eric, uh, Andrew, could you give me a score prediction for uh, tomorrow's game? <laughs> I, I'd prefer to wait until I saw the team news, if I'm honest. Um, uh, I would say, I would say there's enough confidence in the side, um, in Dynamo's side, to to make it sense. I just I pray that the setup is going to be sensible. I would go for one-one. I know it's slightly setting on the fence. Um, and unfortunately, I do think that's not a very good result. A nil-nil would be, would be far better. Um, but I, a draw, it means the game is still there to be won, but it does put pressure on that away leg. I think Villarreal will probably get a goal simply because of all these options. Samuel Chukwueze as well is rapid, beyond belief. I mean, he's a terrifying prospect. So um, it will be a very interesting tactical battle, but I'll go for 1-1. Um, which is not the end of the world, but it will make it difficult in Spain. Yeah, uh, Dima, do you have a score prediction? It's so it's so difficult because um, you know there's there's this you know what my heart says and what my head says, but honestly, 
I, I just have the I, look. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Because who am I to you know what what I say isn't going. I don't think is going to determine what what happens in the match, right? But I have a feeling we will win this game two to one. Um, I'm not saying anything about the second leg just yet, but you know, it's just this is the kind of game that I I just have a feeling, you know. But for me, what's important is look. We haven't uh, to me. The next game, which we're going to preview next, that's a lot more important. So for me, for this game, you know, I don't want us to throw it away and just say like, oh, well, I, why would we try? We have such an important game come up. But I want us to give it a good go, right? I just want us to, you know, play well, uh, lots of chances. And for me, what happens in the next game? Now, that's, that, that I'm a lot more worried about. Um, but, yeah, in terms of prediction, 2-1. Uh, and Eric, what would be your score prediction? I'm going to ride Dima's good feeling and go 2-1 to Dynamo. All right. Uh, so now we'll just do a really quick um, ideal 11. And also going to be interesting to go off of what Andrew says. So my ideal 11 is going to be very based around what Andrew's saying, kind of be a little bit pragmatic, not really allow too much, um, and go for pace to try and hit them on the counter. Uh, so goalkeeper, I mean, Nesh Cheret is injured, I believe. So we'll go with Bushjan. Um, anyone, Eric Dima, you have, is that final goal, Bushan? Uh, back four stays the same. I go Kionzora, Zabarni, Serata, uh, and Nikolenko. I think that's probably the standard back four. Do you have any changes to that, or we can, we're onto the midfield? Onto the midfield. Um, then who? Uh, midfield speaks for itself. Sidorchuk, Chaparenko, Bielski. I think that's standard, yeah. Uh, and the front three, I would go Gerson, Tsigankov on the wings just for the pace. Assuming Tsigankov can start. And up top, I don't know. It's it's a crapshoot, isn't it? You're not really going to get much out of our strikers. But I could see someone wanting to go Supriyaha just because, like what Andrew was saying, really try to hit them on the counterattack. And I think Supriyaha has a little bit more pace than Besiedin. So if, if that's that rationale, then I'm okay with uh, Supriyaha. But I could understand uh, why someone may want to choose Besiedin. Uh, so the will take on Villarreal tomorrow, uh, 12.55 Eastern Standard Time. That's what, around 6 o'clock UK time, Dima? It's around something like that, right? What did you say the time was? I'm sorry. 12.55 Eastern Standard Time. So it's around 6 o'clock. Yes, that's, that's 6 o'clock. Yeah, so 6 o'clock in the UK. Uh, and that's, I believe, going to be around 9 o'clock local time in Kiev. I'm not sure what time that's going to be in Siberia, though, Andrew. You're going to have to help me out with that one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I might stay up for this one actually. It's 11 o'clock my time. Um, okay. So I'll be up for probably some slightly less important Europa League game going on between an English and an Italian team. Um, <laughs> I'm more interested in this one now because, quite frankly, I'm, I'm actually starting to get nervous myself about Manchester United's game. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll, I actually will definitely watch this one. I'll still be awake then. So 11 o'clock for two minutes time. Uh, so now we move on to the last game we have to preview, and we are playing Zoria Luhansk on Sunday, and I know I've been giving a lot of flack this episode to a team like Minai, okay, I, I, I'll hold my hand up and say it, um, the, if you could have the exact opposite of a team like Minai, that is Zoria Luhansk. I think it's fair to say this is a proven European side. Um, okay, didn't have the greatest of runs in the Euro, but I think they performed admirably, admirably against a side like Braga and even beat Leicester City. Um, beat Shakhtar, I think 
not last week, but two match days ago. Uh, Eric, um, what can you tell us about Zoria? I'm going to be losing a lot of sleep before this match. Um, you know, taking a look at Villarreal and Zoria, I mean, again, I don't want to say that I don't care. I want a good showing against Villarreal, but I am genuinely nervous for this match. A win in this match would be a huge statement win for our title chances. It really would be, especially as, um, as you mentioned, two weeks ago, they beat Shakhtar um, with the last kick of the match. And um, most recently, they just dis uh, dispatched Lviv um, 4-0. So, you know, a couple stats about them, you know, taking a look at their form, um, you know, we're at 40 points in first, Waxtap uh, 36 points in second, and then Zoria are currently in third place with 32 points. Um, so, you know, not to start going on to our, our rivals here, but, um, you know, Shakhtar have not been in good form recently, and they're playing uh, Desna in their next match. And earlier in the season, they actually drew against Desna 2-2. Uh, so I think this could be, again, a really big match for us to capitalize on because outside of Zoria, I mean, uh, the teams that we have to play between now and the end of the year, besides, we've got them and then we've got Shakhtar. Besides that, it's, team, it's against teams that we should be winning. Um, so again, you know, this would be a really, really big, I, I would say this is the biggest three points of the season for us so far. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I mentioned their most recent two matches, but, um, they have won their last seven matches in all competitions, which is the Ukrainian league and the cup with a goal differential of 13 goals for, and only two goals allowed. Um, so you know, they got players like uh, Gladki, um, you know, Kochergin was the one that scored against us um, in the first the first match we played against them when we drew 1-1. Um, uh, what's his name? Yurchenka is another, is another one. So, I mean, they've got some players that can hit the ball from distance, some decent attacking options. Um, and I believe that this is, uh, this is at the Slavotich, right? This is a way? Uh, I can check real quick. I I'm believe pretty, so. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but, um, yeah, this is I, – I cannot stress how big this match is and how important this match is. Um, yeah, it, it is at the Slavu Tichin, does. I'm pretty sure. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, I mean, I this would be such a big win for us. It really would. Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I, mean, I can't really – I can't really say much more than that, but I am genuinely nervous for this match. I, I really am. Uh, Dima, do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, one thing we should do is we should bring back Oleksiy Mikhailichenko for this game because he just knew, he, he knew how to beat Zarya. You know, Hatskevich, he knew how to get a result against Shakhtar. Well, Zarya was Mikhailichenko's uh, team because he... He knew how to get the team performing against them, but uh, seriously, yeah, I completely agree. And this, you know, in our title challenge, this could really be, uh, this could be, assuming we win it, this could be the game that, you know, is kind of instrumental in it. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with everything Eric said, you know, and those two strikers are so informed right now, so we're really going to have to be careful. Uh, we'll do our preferred lineups real quick. And so Zodiac play usually a 4-4-2. I think it sometimes can switch between like a flat 4-4-2 and a diamond 4-4-2. Um, interesting thought, but I'm not entirely against changing it up to a 5-3-2 just to deal with that. 
I thought you were going to say change it up to a 442. No, and I was no, going to be like, no, please. No, 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 no. I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to push it. Um, because listen, like Galatsky has eight goals in 14. And listen, he is what he is. Maybe hasn't been the most prolific striker, but he's still finding the net. And then I am not going to even attempt to pronounce the name of that Iran- that young Iranian striker because I'll, I'll just butcher it. So I'm going to go, a f- I would like to see, I would not be entirely against a 5-3-2 or even a 5-4-1 if want, but I don't think Luchescu will do that. So we'll just give, use the standard 4-3-3. Um, I don't think it'd be much of a change lineup than the Villarreal preview. So Bouchard and goal, the usual back four, Mikolenko, Zabarni, Serota, Kelzora, uh, the usual midfield three, Sedorchuk, Shafran, Gubayalski. And I would go Besiedin up top instead of um, Supriaha, like I said, for the Villarreal game, and then Sehankov and Gerson on the wings. Wouldn't mind seeing Lenyev, but uh, that would be my preferred lineup. Do you guys have any changes to that? Or is that probably around the same what you guys would go for against Zoria? Yeah, I just wanted to say two players who I really want to have in here is Tipiana and Sivankov because in recent, in, in the last few games in Zidane, they always seem to be the ones that perform uh, against them. You know, Sivankov loves the goal against Zidane. you know, uh, since he's since he joined us, you know, he he's also you know he's he's liked a goal against Zidane, uh, liked to perform against them. So yeah, um, but honestly, I. Against an opponent like this, I don't really see what changes we can make. But uh, one thing I did hear, this is kind of going back a little bit to the uh, Villarreal match, is that Ulcescu definitely agrees with the priority being Zidane. And I've heard rumours that, you know, he might rotate um, for the uh, Villarreal match and put the the actual first team players in here. But we just, we'll have to see how it goes. But yeah, that's definitely something that's interesting. Uh, yeah, Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'd honestly play Lednev against uh, against Villarreal, honestly. I mean, I think that he's a good dribbler. Um, you know, potentially, I think playing for set pieces could also be something that could help us get a result against um, against Villarreal. And, you know, we've seen, um, you know, it's been a while since he scored, but he's forced some decent saves from keepers, and he's fairly accurate. Um, but, um, you know, if that is the case, you know, I really do think that against Villarreal, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Lednev on one wing and then Depena maybe to hit crosses early on the other wing. And and, and I'd put Bissiedin up top just because I think that his finishing from, you know, forcing mistakes from keepers and things like that has been pretty good. So if we could force him to keep the keeper into a, into a mistake, you know, maybe doesn't scuff the ball a little bit or something like that and we can get him to get on the end of a, of a poacher's goal or something like that. I mean, that could really be the key. Um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I want to stress that I, I don't want to just throw away the match against Villarreal, but I want the league. I don't think there's any secret that we're not winning the Europa League. So if we rotate a bit against Villarreal, but like I said, there's still a game plan and, and we play hard against them and give them a tough match, I mean, I, I would be perfectly fine with that. Uh, Eric, you have a score prediction for uh, Zoria? Just thinking about this, I can feel the plaque inching closer to my heart. Um, oh, God. Oh, so last match was – the last time we played it was 1-1. Um, I'm going to – yeah, I think so. I'll just double check. I, I don't I, – I, unfortunately, I don't see us keeping a clean sheet against them. Um, 
I'm going to go 2-1 Dinamo. I think we'll, I, I'd like to think that we'll, um, that we'll pull through. Uh, Dima, you have a score prediction? Honestly speaking, I've, uh, you know, when we beat Zidab and we're kind of expected to struggle, we, end, we usually end up getting, you know, a pretty respectable scoreline, you know. Last season, you know, when Michael, when the team was just, you know, dropping points left, right and centre against these terrible teams. No, no offence. Um, and, you know, everyone's saying, you know, oh, Zidab, they're going to wipe the floor with Dinamo Paden. Here comes Mikhail Lichenko with his genius tactics, and he just destroys Zaria completely. Um, you know, and I have a feeling, you know, you know, I'm not saying we're the, I'm not at all saying that we're the underdogs of this game, but you know, people are saying, you know, they're on this, you know, winning run. They beat Shakhtar, so this won't be easy. And I agree, it won't be easy. But I have a feeling, you know, look, Lichenko, he's. You know, he's been in the, I'm sure he's been in this kind of situation many, many, many times before in his long career. Um, and, you know, I like to think that he will think of something for this game. So I say 3 1, uh, like last season. But once again, I'm not trying to jinx things. You know, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But I hope that, you know, people realize whatever I say, it has no impact on the game. Andrew, do you have a prediction for uh, Sunday's game? Uh, I'll be honest, guys. I can I can hear and see the tension in your voices already. Um, looking ahead to this, so I guess in a way, my perspective could be a bit could be useful simply because I don't quite have the same emotional uh, emotional pull. I think simply because of the occasion, and like you guys have all said, the focus is clearly it has to be on the league this season. I think that will change next season, um, but for now, it's very clearly the. It's so rare to get an opportunity like this at this stage of the season um, to have an advantage. So protecting the advantage rather than going for the kill. Um, I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to go for draw in this one. And I don't. I think that's actually genuinely a useful result. What you want, the one thing that matters, stating the obvious, is to go into the game uh, against uh, Shakhtar next month, I believe. Um, go into that still with a points advantage preferably three or four points, so that worst case scenario, you've still got the lead. If you go into the game with that advantage, then I'd say that is effectively job done. Um, and like you guys say, this is the game that you need to protect rather than go for the kill. Um, come out of the game against Villarreal unscathed is the first part of that plan. Um, and, you know, come out of the Zoria game with a point, I'd say would be a good result. So I'd say 1-1. And again, I think that would be very, very useful. I think that would effectively set up the, the title running. Yeah, I, I, already, my, I know my nerves are already starting to get the best of me before uh, Sunday morning's uh, game. Uh, so before we go, we just have two quick questions. Thanks uh, to all of our listeners who wrote in. Uh, Slava Ukraini 09 wrote... Um, what, uh, what is it with players like Shaparenko and Sindorchuk in particular that have improved so much under Luchescu? Uh, what does Luchescu bring to the table that made those players really play, uh, raise their playing level? Well, first things first, he's an actual manager, not these PE teachers that we've been hiring uh, the past couple of years, whose only experience is coaching Dinamo 2 or the Belarusian national team. Um, 
But Dima, do you have anything to add on that? Uh, honestly speaking, I think with Shaparenta, uh I think it's confidence. Uh, I think, you know, from, from the very first game, you know, Shaparenka, so for some context, uh, Shaparenka, Luchesko did a, an inter-squad friendly, basically. So you put up, you know, this team against this team. And he gave, so, so basically to give every single player uh, a chance to see what they're made of. And Shaparenka in that game scored a brilliant finish. Um, you know, got past several defenders from outside the box curled in and from then on it seems like you know Shaparinka is really a player that Luchescu's lies and I think that's done that's probably done wonders for him and you know it's been said already he's working under a specialist now you know not a not a legend not a Dinamo legend who's been hired because of what he's achieved as a player but a, but a specialist you know uh, not everyone not everyone agrees with his appointment but you have to admit he's at least a manager right a uh, professional who gets the job done um, as for Sidorchuk, I reckon this. I definitely agree that you know his. I, I wouldn't say that he was you know, absolutely shocking last season, but he wasn't this. You know, he wasn't that good last season. He scored a beautiful goal against Shakhtar, which I, I believe I already brought up actually. Funnily enough, in a podcast, you know, about nearly you know one and a half years after that particular game. But anyway, I believe his his job is now really to play make and defend which you know i believe he's done it a lot better in the upl against weaker sides that's for sure i, I wish he'd do it against you know i wish he'd be able to play against uh juventus and barcelona like he does against minai i'd love for him to do that but you know we have what we have but i just believe you know his role has changed and i believe it's a role that suits him much more because he wasn't always a defensive midfielder and you know if if you know hatskevich views him as a pure destroyer well that's well, I'm sorry, but that's not what he is. He used to be an attacking midfielder and he's been moved down to the pitch, uh, down the pitch a little bit. So I genuinely just believe it's uh, just a, a change of role that's benefited him. Uh, and from Isaac Lockett, he says, uh, with the U21s uh, being announced, um, are there some players who have maybe gone under the radar at Dinamo? Are there any potentially future stars in there? Um, I'll just go over real quick uh, the Dinamo players that were called up. So you can get uh, Volodymyr Brashko, Konstantin Vivcharenko. Uh, who else we got? Uh, not a lot of Dinamo players actually in this team. Uh, and uh, Supriaha. So Vivcharenko, Brashko, and Supriaha, the only three Dinamo players called up. Uh, Eric, do you think any of these guys have some kind of potential for the future for Ukraine and Dinamo? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, if you just take a look at our youth teams in general, I mean, the scores that we win by, I mean, 9-0, 8-0, I mean, I mean, they just steamroll players. And I mean, there's no secret that we have one, one of, if not the best youth academy and youth recruitment um, in, in Ukraine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely think that they do. And then I would just like to see, I talked about this in the past, but I just really like to see more chances given. Um, you know, Dima has brought up a point in the past that the team selection should always be the best possible 11, period. There shouldn't be, well, I'm mostly just focused on youth players, regardless, regardless of ability. Like it should always be the best possible 11. And I totally agree with that. But as I've mentioned in the past, I don't think that there are a lot of um, there are a lot of players in our current starting 11 
that have truly nailed in the starting role and you can say, yeah, no questions asked, they deserve to be in it. Definitely there's quality in the starting 11 that we see for our preferred starting lineup. No doubt about that. We have a lot of um, promising young players for sure. But I guess I would just like to see, um, obviously I'm not saying all of them right now, but as they um, you know, mature and, and start getting ready, I hope that they truly are given those chances um, because I would love to see some more competition um, and see what they can do. Because I think that, like I said, I mean, given the current state of the squad, you know, you take a look at a player like Lednev, who in recent uh, in recent uh, outings, even for the short amount of time that he's been on there, I mean, he's been dangerous going forward. He's been at the right place at the right time to score goals. And, and that's not to say that these youth players won't do the exact same thing. So, yeah, I, I do think that they absolutely can. Um, I'd just like to see him give them give them a chance and and see what they can do. Maybe uh, you know increase a little competition because I think competition ultimately is going to be a good thing for both club and national team. Uh, and I actually have a question for Andrew now. Um, give me some predictions for Zanabo in the season. Like, where, how far do you think they'll like will they finish in the league? How will they win the cup? How how far do you think they'll be able to get in the Europa League? Well, to be honest with you, I. I don't, I don't want to be negative about it the day before, um, but I, I really don't think there's much point worrying exactly how far um, Dinamo gets in Europe. Getting to for knockout stages alone is a, is a good achievement for the good side. I mean, you look at the quality that's in there. Um, I have to be honest, I think there's, it's unlikely over two legs. There's a chance, of course, but it's probably unlikely for all the reasons we've mentioned and most importantly, the focus being on the league that, um, that Dinamo will get past Villarreal. If they do, fantastic. Um, but I don't think probably, even if they, even if Dinamo do get past uh, Villarreal, they'll go much further. But that doesn't matter. I, I think with the league, it's... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, guys, but I do think it does hinge on this weekend. I would love to try and calm your nerves down and say, don't worry, you know, it's all under control. It's, I, I know I've got secret knowledge. It's going to be 3-0 win, nice and easy. Get through this weekend. I'd say the league is effectively in the bag. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to sit my neck out and say I think they probably will, um, simply because Luchesko at this stage of the season, if he doesn't blow up within the first three, three or four games, he's in control. Um, so, much you won't like his past history, the part of his history that is relevant is his experience. And if anybody knows how to hold on to a title, it's him. Um, so I, I, I'm going to sit my neck and say, yes, I the title will be Dinamo's this season. And I just have to ask you one more question. So we've seen Luchescu walk 30 yards into the pitch to argue refereeing decisions. We've seen, we've seen Luchescu shoveling off snow before a game. Will we get more absolute classic Mircea Luchescu moments? This it's not possible that he can finish this season, however well it goes, without some other crazy madcap moment. So you've got that to look forward to, if nothing else. I've got, I've got knows what it will be, but there will be some more pure Luchescu moment. I mean, the, my favourite Luchescu moment that I know about really is um, from, I think, from the end of his time at Shakhtar, when they were playing pre-season games in Florida, and there was um, Shakhtar were playing against, I forget which team it was. And they, they'd won 3 0, perfectly fine and everything. But there was a question in the, the press conference that uh, somebody mentioned something about him 
possibly not being adventurous enough. It was a pre-season friendly, for Christ's sake. And the, he absolutely collared the journalist afterwards. And he said, who, well, um, beeping F do you think you are? And he completely lost his rag in a pre-season friendly. So that just sums up the man. For me, that's a positive um, because it's entertainment. But uh, God knows what, what moment is going to come next. Like I said at the beginning of the show, it is never boring following Dinamo Kiev, especially when Mircea Luchescu is your head coach. Uh, that is the end of our show. Um, thank you again so much to Andrew for coming on. Um, Andrew, if someone wants to get into contact with you, how can they do that? Uh, well, guys, thanks. first of all, thanks so much for inviting me on. Absolute pleasure. Um, I'm on Twitter at Andrew M-I-J Flint. Although, unfortunately, today, on the day of recording, um, the Russian government has announced they are effectively half blocking Twitter because they refuse to take down content. So I may not reply quickly, um, but uh, that is where I'm mostly mostly found there. Um, so at Andrew M.I.J. Flint on Twitter. Yeah, please do check out his articles, especially I've read a bunch of them on football grads. They are really entertaining reads. Um, he provides some great stories about Russian football, especially lower league football. It gives a really nice perspective of uh, what football is, not just necessarily in Russia, but just as the former Soviet Union as a whole, kind of the struggle. So really do check out his Twitter, his football grad podcast. And you can even see some of his channels on his YouTube channel, uh, Andrew Flynn, which great. Like I said, you see some awesome stadiums. Uh, in lower league football so like i said do check out all this content you will really get great enjoyment out of it uh dima if anyone wants to contact you for any chapelle of propaganda how can they do that uh yeah you know once again thanks uh, so much andrew for finding the time for us um you know it's been great having you on uh but about uh about me uh, if you want to if you want to contact me as usual, it's 1927 DMA, 1927 DMA on Twitter. So, yeah, drop me a message. And Eric, if you want to get, if someone wants to get into contact with you, how can they do that? Yeah. So, real quickly, first, Andrew, thank you so much. Um, really means a lot. I've been a huge fan of football grad for a very, very long time. I mean, that, when I was commuting to work, that was the favorite part of my commute to work was listening to the football grad podcast. I mean, I've read your articles on, uh, Lobanovsky, um, Lokian, I mean, just absolutely fantastic stuff. I mean, I know I have the, the Marseille, um, uh, these footy times magazine that I know that you wrote about, uh, Enzo in for, for Marseille. I mean, just big, big fan of your work. So again, it really meant a lot to have you come on here. So I really appreciate it. Um, and you can follow me on, yeah, of course, of course. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Libovich, that's L-E-B-O-V-I-C-H. Uh, and if you want to follow me, your host on Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at Lishik7. That's L-Y-S-Z-Y-K and the number seven. Uh, and if you want to follow the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Denamo Abroad. Or if you want to send us an email, you can do that at Podcast at gmail.com. From all of us at Denamo Abroad, thank you so much one last time to Andrew for coming on our show. And we will see you next time. Dinamo, Dinamo.